0: Hey guys, it's me, your oldest brother, Ryan Geyser, and thank you for listening to I Wanna Watch the Very Best, because God, to Watch them All Was Taken. What a twist. So the reason I introduced myself like that today was because last weekend I was blessed to be able to attend the My Brother, My Brother, and Me and the Adventure Zone live shows. I've been a fan of the McElroys for about six or seven years now, so it was really cool to see them at a live show. I've always listened to their live shows, so it was just such a great experience to actually be at one. I got to see what Paul Saboran looks like. I got to see all the content that they would probably cut to shorten down the actual runtime of the episode and the upload of it. I even got to watch them deal with technical difficulties and do sound checks and everything. It was incredible. And just in case anyone who listens to this happens to listen to The Adventure Zone or My Brother, My Brother and Me, or... Maybe if the McElroys themselves are listening, wink, hey, it's it's me, Ryan, you should listen to me, McElroys. Yeah, I doubt it. Anyway, I'm not going to spoil it, because you guys can go listen to it yourself if you want. I'd recommend them. They, it was a great time, I'm glad I went, I'm so happy I finally got the chance to, especially since they cancelled the tour I was going to go on like two years ago, for very obvious reasons, but glad I finally got to go. And also, once again, sorry for missing last week, I was at my grandma's, I didn't have time to work on stuff, I tried, but it just didn't work out. So, you guys are getting an episode today, at least. Uh, Let's celebrate that! Woo! Yeah, baby! That's what we've been waiting for! Yeah, woo! And now, with that, let's jump right into today's episode with... Episode 59, Volcanic Panic! Synopsis. Failing to defeat Blaine, Ash has little time to reflect on his loss, as him, his friends, and Blaine must team up to stop the volcano from erupting, thanks to a scheme by Team Rocket. After a quick recap, we see what happens to Pikachu. He tries to duck, but is knocked off the arena, hanging on by a paw. He then climbs back up, ready to continue, but Ash forfeits the match, saying that one badge isn't worth Pikachu's life. Blaine applauds his wise decisions, saying he would have demanded Ash quit being a trainer if he had continued to put his Pokemon's life at risk, and tells the group that they can rest and heal in the hot springs. Ash tries to stop the gym leader from leaving, with Blaine saying they may battle again one day before stepping back upstairs. Ash then vows to not leave the island until he has his badge. At the spring, Ash washes Pikachu and promises to win next time. Misty and Brock question this, saying he can't beat Magmar, and that there are plenty of other less dangerous gyms he could challenge. Team Rocket is in the hot spring on the other side of the miraculously repaired fence, completely submerged in water with a reed breathing tube, trying to train their bodies to better resist heat. Meowth makes fun of them for failing, the other two replying "That's the only way they'll be able to steal Magmar. That must mean they were spying on Ash's battle, since how else would they know about the hidden passageway into a hidden gym that contains a hidden Magmar? Meowth then proposes that they trick the Pokemon by saying it won a fake contest, blasting it with a freeze ray when its guard is down. The evil trio then make their way into the volcano, Meowth announcing that Magmar won a trip to Mount Vesuvius. Magmar buys this and appears in front of the group, who then fire Freezy Blast missiles at it. Magmar just stands there and takes it. Thankfully, it begins to melt itself out while Team Rocket sings. We got a Pokemon on ice, now the boss will treat us nice! When we show him what we are. done, our team will be number one! We got a Pokemon on ice, now the boss will treat us nice! When we show him what we- We interrupt this message to bring you a Magmar meltdown! Panicking, the trio start blasting freeze missiles everywhere as Magmar watches. Ash's group and Blaine hear the explosions and worry. Ah, I was on my way to the lavatory when I heard all the noise! Of course in a volcano, every room is a lavatory. Get it? Rushing down, the good guys see the bad guys blasting everything with seemingly unlimited ammo. Blaine gets hit with a blast and makes a really bad pun. Ice in a volcano? That's freezer burn! Maybe you should cool it with the jokes. He then warns that filling the chamber with that much ice could cause a dangerous chain reaction, and is proven right when the ice cools too fast and breaks the rock around everyone. It's further made worse by this all potentially leading to a full-on volcanic eruption. The entire chamber begins to collapse, with steam blasting the rocket trio away to safety. Realizing that they only have minutes until eruption, Blaine tells Magmore that maybe filling the magma pit with rocks will stop it. Pikachu tries to help carry a stone, but the gym leader warns that only a fire Pokemon could withstand that heat. Magmar begins the task, but it's going slowly. Put in the pinch, Ash sends out Charizard, but as expected, he just lazily sits back. But, after seeing Magmar try hard and still fail its duty, Charizard decides to get up and help as well. Brock then has Onix and Geodude help too, since they're resistant to heat. Misty and Ash also send out Squirtle and Staryu to keep them all cool with water. Jigglypuff also runs by for no reason, Ash chasing them. Togepi almost dies by falling in the magma like a klutz, but Misty saves them. Through their combined efforts, the lava flow is stopped, with Charizard and Magmar adding the last of the stones and looking at each other with a newfound respect. Blaine thanks Ash's group for their help and offers a reward. I don't know how to thank you, Ash. Perhaps if I give you- Are you gonna give me my Volcano Badge now? (gasps) No! I was about to say that I'll give you another chance to battle me for your Volcano Badge. (laughs) I like the fact that Ash just expects a badge for helping to stop disasters now. Setting up on top of the volcano, with rock pillars jutting up from it, Blaine declares a one-on-one, picking Magmar. Ash is about to choose Pikachu, but Charizard steps up first, surprising everyone. Proc muses that it may be because Charizard saw Magmar's strength and wants to fight a worthy opponent. Ash is all giddy with excitement at actually being able to use Charizard, but realizes that Charizard still seems pretty unwilling to listen to him. The two Pokémon stare each other down, and Ash orders a flamethrower, both of them using it at the same time, colliding and causing a small explosion, equally matched. Magmar then uses Fire Blast, which Charizard stops with his hands, but struggles to push back against, throwing the blast over its head right before it's pushed off the pillar. Frustrated, Blaine has Magmar use Skull Bash, Charizard getting hit and nearly falling into the lava, flying out at the last second. It flies toward Magmar, both of them locking hands against one another, still evenly matched. Magmar then jumps over Charizard, using the momentum to get behind it. Ash begs for Charizard to just fly away, but Magmar pushes them into the lava. Ash then cries that this is cheating but Blaine says that Ash agreed to use the volcano as their stadium, under the volcano being part of the volcano. As Ash looks down worried, him and his friends see Charizard fly out with Magmar on its back. Charizard begins to spin, dizzying his opponent, while Ash points out that over the volcano is also part of the volcano. Charizard then uses its seismic toss attack, flying high into the sky, spinning in a circle while an image of the earth forms inside the motion, before flinging magmar off its back and down to the volcano below, where it lands in the lava. Unfortunately, after a tense period of waiting, it jumps out of it, seeming to have held its ground, before one more sudden burst of pain knocks it out. Ash celebrates, and Blaine congratulates his win, removing his wig in respect. As Ash tries to recall Charizard, he's blasted with flames, while Charizard lets out a small burst of victory fire. Later, back on the ground, Blaine gives the group one more riddle. What is it that is always red, but has no words? Ha! The answer is a volcano badge! Walking in the forest somewhere, Misty and Brock comment that Charizard seemed so close to becoming obedient, with Ash confident that Charizard will listen one day. Brock then suggests that for their next stop, they head to the gym in Viridian City, with Ash asking Misty why she never told him about it. Misty explains that it was because they were busy arguing, but she can't remember why. Brock tries to remind her, but Ash worriedly shuts him up and runs ahead. Misty, remembering that he owes her a bike, chases after him, with Brock following as well while the narrator makes a weird color pun referencing the original games. Ash hurries on to Viridian City, eager to compete for a green Earth badge. Meanwhile, Misty is seeing red, and that's sure to make Brock blue. Orange, you dying to find out what happens next? I think this was a good end to the two-parter. We got some comedy, some action, Charizard showing off its true strength for the first time, and none of it overstayed its welcome. And with that, we're just one badge away from Ash entering the Pokemon League. But even then, we're not done yet. Episode 60, Beach Blankout Blastoise. Synopsis. Trying to leave Cinnabar, the group runs into a war turtle. In a panicked state, it leads them to its home island, where the others of its species and their blastoise leader are all mysteriously stuck asleep. After a recap of the previous episode, we see the group rush towards and miss the last ferry off Cinnabar. As they run towards it on the beach, a war turtle rushes out from behind a rock, with Ash slamming into it, knocking both of them down. As the war turtle is dazed, Ash pokedexes it. Wartortle, the turtle Pokemon, the evolved form of Squirtle. Its long furry tail is a symbol of its age and wisdom. It doesn't look smart. Wartortle, 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 Wartortle. The turtle Pokemon then tries to wordly convey some kind of message, but neither the trainers nor even Pikachu understand it. Pikachu then has Ash's Squirtle come out and talk to it. And after a brief conversation, put on its Squirtle Squad glasses, jumping into the water to swim off with the War Turtle. Ash's group then finds a boat somewhere, probably stealing it based off their previous track record, and Misty has her water Pokemon pull it to catch up to the two turtles. They're then all led to a small, unmapped island that looks like a shell, unknowingly being tailed by Team Rocket's Gyarados sub. Arriving on the beach, the trio rush over to see what's wrong, finding the beach covered in squirtle and war turtle shells. Brock rushes over to listen for anything inside of them, reassuring everyone that they're just sleeping. The war turtle that brought them there then points out a much larger shell, a blastoises, as the source of the problem. Ash, believing he's found a new Pokemon to catch, rushes over and Owu nuzzles the turtle's large shell before suddenly falling asleep unable to be woken up. Squirtle also checks the shell, and the same thing happens to it. Shortly afterwards, out of ideas, Misty tells Pikachu to electrocute everyone awake, which works out. Ash, his Squirtle, and all of the island's Pokemon waking up. Briefly angry, Ash then tells the other two that he heard some music from inside Blastoise and fell asleep, causing Misty and Brock to recognize what might be causing this and worrying slightly. The rest of the island's Pokémon agree that the same thing happened to them. Misty suggests leaving the island now that most of the Pokémon are awake, but Ash resolves to stay and help until Blastoise is up as well. Team Rocket, watching off the coast, makes some puns that are a bit of a stretch. Looks like those brats have brought us right to a Blastoise bonanza! Not to mention all those other shellicious Pokémon! For a team of Pokémon thieves, this is like Fantasy Island! Proc. Using a picture book that he or the Pokemon just made, double-checks the story of what's going on. Blastoise is the king of the island, and went to swim in the ocean, but never returned. Eventually, the island's Pokemon found it in its shell, floating in the ocean. But when it was brought back, all of the Pokemon fell asleep, with Wartortle being the only one who did not and fleeing to find help. Brock, happy to learn that this is the fabled breeding grounds of Squirtle species, begins to perform a checkup on Blastoise, not hearing anything unusual through his stethoscope. The Blastoise then suddenly wakes up, the rest of the Pokemon cheering! It groggily talks to its subjects, and then opens up its shell cannons, realizing that there's something stuck in one. Pushing it out, it appears to be a small pink lump. And after some prodding by Squirtle, a small pointed ear pops up as well. Misty and Brock, now knowing for sure what it is, beg Blastoise to keep it away from them. After the Sound Ash herd repeats itself, Brock confirms that it's definitely Jigglypuff, as the entire island falls asleep again. Team Rocket, taking this opportunity, gives their motto to no one and sends me out on a rope to go grab the giant turtle. Meowth then also hears the singing, falling asleep as well. The duo reel him back in and are unable to wake him up, thinking Meowth just fainted in fright. They then decide to use a giant plunger from their sub to reel Blastoise in and make their escape. Sometime later, Ash's group wakes up and the island panics when they see the Pokemon is gone. Ash's Squirtle uses a quick water gun to calm his fellow turtles down, and takes over as the de facto leader, giving an inspiring speech and rallying chant. Pikachu then notices the drag marks from the Blastoise shell, and Squirtle leads the other island Pokemon to go scout the area in that direction. Aboard the sub, the Rockets initially celebrate their Poke-napping, but then begin to argue over who should get credit for it. I think there may be some confusion. Who's gonna get credit for swiping them? I think we better clear this up, don't you? If you remember, I was the one who pushed the button, so I should get credit for capturing it. But before that, I was the one who put my nine lives on the line to grab Blastoise. I was the one who caught it. What about me? <laughs> you couldn't catch a cold. You stay out of this, Meowth. Pokemon aren't for Pokemon. Meowth. James then kicks me out into the side of the sub, causing Jigglypuff to dislodge further and the sub to spring a couple leaks. They don't worry about the leaks and instead wonder what the sound is before falling asleep as their submarine floods, nearly drowning them. Again. Luckily for them, the Squirtle and Turtle locate the Gyarados sub and swim it back to shore, where Ash's group revives Team Rocket. Jesse is indignant and unthankful that they were saved, but James says thank you. Jesse hits him for this, saying they don't thank mortal enemies, and Ash says he feels sorry for him. Team Rocket then turns their attention back to Blastoise, who is being guarded by a wall of turtles. Realizing they risk being attacked, they rush back to the sub, which is now drained of water miraculously. Brock tells them not to come back, but the Rocket Trio presses a button to make tank threads and a grabby arm appear from the sub, rushing towards the Blastoise. All of the Pokemon try to watergun the sub tank, but it's ineffective. The Rockets then attempt to grab a bunch of the turtles while Blastoise sleeps, so Ash yells and begs for their king to wake up and help! But when that doesn't work, Ash has his two Pokemon attack Blastoise together, which doesn't wake Blastoise, but does have a very injured and confused Jigglypuff dislodge and fly from the cannon, landing inside Team Rocket's submarine. Now freed from its singing burden, the attacks finally wake Blastoise up, which springs into action and grabs the tank, stopping it in its tracks. The Rockets try to grab it, but it stops and then breaks the arm. All of the turtle Pokemon then jump in front of Blastoise, and together, they all use a water blast attack to send the Gyarados submarine flying into the ocean. Ash then suddenly realizes Jigglypuff is still inside, just as Team Rocket realizes the same, and are put to sleep when the Pokemon sings. Squirtle rushes into the water to save the Pokemon, rescuing Jigglypuff just in time from the submarine exploding somehow. Recovering quickly, Jigglypuff then immediately continues to sing and draw on everyone's faces and shells when they fall asleep. Waking up later, the Pokemon and trainers all laugh at the somewhat silly resolution. Hey, Jigglypuff’s a real Pocasso. I don't think this is funny. I look like a cartoon character. <laughs> a cartoon character Like that could ever happen. The trainers then all boat away from the island, waving goodbye to the Blastoise as Ash makes his way towards his eighth and final badge. We close with Team Rocket, thankfully alive and scribbled on by Jigglypuff, bemoaning another failure while drifting on the remains of their submarine. This is an alright episode, I suppose. I mean, I've already told you that I'm not a big fan of the Jigglypuff running joke. I think Jigglypuff is more of an annoying problem causer than anything. Not even really that funny. And this whole episode is just based on that joke, and as a way to show off Squirtle's evos. I will say though, Jigglypuff is an absolute champ. Stuck in a confined little tube, and its first thought is to just keep singing non-stop. That's like putting a theater kid in a cardboard box, and they just keep performing Hamilton to keep themselves sane. I do want to know how Jigglypuff got stuck, though, because it was pretty deep in that canon, and also somehow was feet first. That sounds like a story worth telling. So, not a bad episode, I don't regret the time I spent watching it or anything, but also not an episode I need to go out of my way to see again. I also think this was another episode that I had on one of those little Game Boy Advance cartridges that had the shows on them, and I watched it a lot because of that so maybe I'm just worn out by this one because of that. I don't know, hard to say. Alright, trainers, next up we've got... Episode 61, The Misty Mermaid. Synopsis. Stopping by the Cerulean Gym to let her Pokemon exercise in the pools, Misty is roped into an underwater ballet by her sisters. The show takes an interesting twist with the arrival of a dubious trio, however. Still on the way to Viridian, Misty lets Horsey out in the fountain, but sadly notes that it doesn't look so good. Brock suggests that maybe it just needs some exercise in the bigger body of water, but the trio wonders how they can do that, since there's no lakes or oceans around. Brock offhandedly mentions an aquarium, and Misty says they should stop by her home gym, since it's nearby and she hasn't visited since episode 7. After a quick phone call, the group quickly arrives. Pikachu and Brock point out a poster advertising an underwater ballet featuring Pokemon and a mermaid, played by a star returning to Cerulean for the first time in a while. Unaware that this obviously means Misty, with Ash even almost figuring it out, Brock gets all blushy at the thought of kissing a mermaid girl. Heading inside, Misty's sisters yell at instead of welcoming her, saying she's late then ignoring her and fawning over Ash and Brock instead. Misty, disregarding them, lets Horsey out in the pool, where it seems to be immediately happier. Her sisters then return and say that they should all start rehearsing. Misty offers to help with small stuff like costumes and whatever, and Brock wants to meet the star. But the sisters surprise all three of them by saying that Misty is the one playing the lead, against her will. The sisters explain that they've had fewer and fewer viewers recently, so they came up with the idea to do an entire show underwater. And when Misty called, they viewed it as fate. Misty initially refuses, but they try to guilt trip her, with her friends peer pressuring her as well. I'll do it. We got her! We could always get our baby sister to do whatever we wanted. This is like a total flashback. The sisters then begin rehearsing, saying that the story revolves around a mermaid and her seal friend being harassed by evil pirates looking for treasure. Before a handsome prince shows up to save her, both falling in love. Seal, seal, seal. I like that charming prince. I like the seal. You would. Team Rocket sees the poster outside, all of them saying it sounds fun, and James bragging that he took ballet as a kid. They then see the promise of Pokemon at the show as well, and decide to do some mischievous stealing. On opening day, the stands are full. Misty, either her hair having grown three sizes or wearing a very convincing wig, has some pre-show nerves, but is confident she has this. A large tank rises from the floor, with one of the sisters narrating the setting. A group of water Pokemon live happily with their friend. The magical mermaid! Misty begins swimming around in a dance that is incredibly well choreographed given the day she had to prep. Her pirate sisters watch on from the back, questioning their role choices before they're approached by the rockets. Okay, quick timeout. Their outfits are great. Meowth has a tutu with a swan head on the back, Jesse is dressed like a prince, and James is wearing the outfit the lead in Swan Lake wears. I don't know clothing or ballet terms, but look this up because he rocks that outfit. When the narration recording introduces the two terrible villains, Team Rocket reveals themselves instead. Really timely. Donning scuba masks, they dive in, while Ash and Brock run to stop them. Misty is warned of their approach by Horsey, and putting on her own mask asks what the trio is doing here. They give their motto, the entire time gurgling water. Prepare for trouble! And make it double! The crowd, not realizing that the Pokemon version of the Yakuza just crashed the show, begin cheering, which the evil duo kind of love. Their balloon then breaks through the ceiling, as Jessie and James capture the water pokemon in nets. Misty moves to stop them, grabbing the net before it's dragged away. One 10 year old is able to successfully keep two grown young adults from stealing a net of immobilized fish underwater by herself. Either she's really strong, or Team Rocket has absolute noodle arms. Misty's prince sister prepares to go out as the narration introduces the brave prince, but Ash and Brock stop her, rushing out to stop Team Rocket themselves. The two other sisters then burst, tied up from a locker. Seeing the twerps, Jesse sends out Arbok, who is able to move, talk, and breathe just as well as on land. Don't ask, I don't know how. Water Cobra, maybe? I don't know. Misty has Horsey battle the snack, but its bubble gets batted away. To avoid a rap attack, Horsey uses Smokescreen, a Sea King swimming out from the obstruction and stabbing Arbok. Misty thanks Horsey for trying its best, and then has Sea King use Horn Drill. James sends out Weezing, but it immediately floats to the surface dead. Misty's sisters then send out Psyduck to help, but it almost immediately drowns, disappointing all of our heroes. But making the crowd laugh. Her Psyduck is embarrassing. Like, totally. Ashes Squirtle, Misty Starmie, and the Gym Sea King all tag team Arbok, absolutely demolishing it. Surprisingly, it still holds on and begins surprisingly viciously charging at the three Pokemon who run away in fear. But just when they seem cornered, Seal jumps in front of them, standing in defense. Or I guess like floating in the water in defense, you know what I mean. Team Rocket laughs at the pathetic Pokemon, but Seal swims circles around the snake, then lightly baps it with headbutts. It then uses Aurora Beam, blinding Arbok before it suddenly evolves into Dewgong. Dugong, Dugong quickly bats away Arbok with its tail, using Ice Beam to freeze the two rockets in their Pokemon. Our heroes pull the captured Pokemon out of the water, leaving the pool empty so Pikachu can electrocute Team Rocket. Meowth is just watching from the balloon the whole time. He does nothing to stop what I assume was at least a couple-minute process. With one firm zap, Pikachu obliterates a frozen Team Rocket, who fly out of the ice and above the water. Just as they start falling back down, Dugong slaps them away with its tail, hitting the balloon before they all blast off. The crowd gives a thunderous applause, and the next day the line is stretched out the door again. The three sisters say that the shows are sold out for the next six months, but that number will probably dwindle without Misty's group, Team Rocket, and an evolution making the show more, you know, good. Realizing that Misty leaving means they won't have enough Pokemon for the show, they beg for some of Misty's. Brock encourages this, saying Misty came to let them swim in a big tank anyway. As such, she is persuaded to give up both Horsey and Starmie. Which doesn't matter in the end, since over the last however many episodes, neither have really gotten any screen time. Thanks, Psyduck. Speaking of, they decline the offer to keep the duck. The Pokey crew bids farewell to the sisters and walk off as Ash tries to sweet-talk his way out of owing Misty a bike. Episode end! This is a really weird episode, since I think it serves mainly as a way to get rid of Horsey and Starmie because they weren't really being used at all. It's an important episode because it explains why we never see them again, but other than that, the episode is, in the long run, really irrelevant. It's purely a way to dump Pokemon we never saw anyway and maybe show off Dewgong too. Other than that, I would have liked to have either seen more or less time spent on the water ballet. Show more of how it was supposed to go and develop it a bit more, or show even less of it and make it a clearly unimportant setting to a larger episode, and then show other stuff in its place. As it stands, I think it's too middle of the road and just comes off as half-baked. So, okay episode in the end, I guess. James's outfit really stole the entire show, honestly. Okay, next up we have... Episode 62, Clefairy Tales. Synopsis. In a town filled with people robbed of small, simple items, our heroes get their bags stolen as well. Following a rambling scientist, they come to realize the thefts may be part of an alien conspiracy. Late at night, Jigglypuff sings to itself as it walks through some woods, unintentionally knocking out some Pokemon as it does. While scribbling on its victims, a tea kettle falls on it out of nowhere. Looking up, it sees what seems to be a UFO fall from the sky, crashing in an explosion. Approaching the wreckage, the Pokemon sees a hatch in the side open up, revealing a group of Clefairy. The next day, Ash and Co. stop for some ice cream on the way to Viridian. Ash is dual-wielding his cones, covering his face in cream. A Clefairy then happily approaches the group, Misty tries to catch it, but it hops off, Misty chasing after it. Ash and Brock take Pikachu and Togepi to follow, leaving their bags and ice cream unattended, letting unseen figures steal it all. The group returns later, horrified to discover their missing items, Ash especially bummed about his ice cream. They go to report this to the local jenny, but see a large line of people already there, all reporting their own miscellaneous stolen goods, including a pot, a baby bottle, a baseball player's lucky bat, coat buttons, birthday candles, and a bike horn. Wondering who would steal such simple items, a science man then tells the group that these crimes were committed by aliens. Excuse me, but who are you? Someone who uncovers the truth! Because the powers that be don't want you to know about Earth's visitors from outer space! For the truth, look to the skies and to me, Oswald! How do these guys find us? Everyone tries to ignore him, but he insists on getting the crowd's attention. Misty doesn't believe in aliens, but the man pulls out proof. A scrapbook collection of photos and articles. The chef with the stolen pot says that one photo actually looks familiar, and after some badgering, tells the scientist that he saw it three nights ago on the edge of the forest. Jenny points out that the stolen object reports also started about three nights ago, too. Transitioning scenes, our heroes are the only people who elected to follow the alien enthusiast, named Oswald, Brock arguing that's better than waiting around, plus they may find their backpacks, or at least get some exercise. Oswald uses an alien radar to track them, when it suddenly goes off. Looking up, the group sees a glowing spaceship land in front of them, with two grey aliens emerging from it. They just walk out, say Pokemon backwards, gently pick up Pikachu, and fly off again. This scene is gold, my description cannot do it justice. In the ship, Pikachu is placed in a glass container that powers a light bulb when zapped. As the aliens remove their heads to reveal Team Rocket, our heroes realize that the UFO is actually just being lifted by Meowth in a crane. So Ash has Pidgeot to snap the cable, causing the rockets to fall to the ground. With them giving their motto after they recover, at the end of their motto, instead of Meowth, a Clefairy pops out at the end. Oswald exclaims that the device says that Clefairy is an alien, right as Jigglypuff shows up as well, also being identified as an alien. Misty calls the scanner Bunk, and is also identified as an alien, with her knocking it out of his hands. Oh! You broke my scanner! (laughs) <laughs> it took me weeks to assemble that scanner. What will I do if I can't find the comic book I ordered it from? I hate people who have to be the center of attention. Especially when they take everybody's attention away from us. I mean, to be fair, it's never confirmed that Misty and Jigglypuff aren't aliens. Hmm, suspicious. During the confusion, Clefairy steals Pikachu, blocking a chasing Team Rocket with a light shield. Ash's group notices and chases as well, Jigglypuff and Oswald following. Coming to a dead end, Jigglypuff points out an open sewer, which the five all jump down, falling as if into a Mario pipe, even being tossed around a weird pipe network. The group is dumped out in front of the crashed UFO, now repaired, using their stolen goods to fix it somehow. Misty points out Pikachu, somehow sleeping happily in a glass jar, being brought on board. Oswald saying they plan to use the rodent as a power supply. A countdown to launch begins, with Jigglypuff and Dash rushing on board, Misty following, and Brock going to get help from Jenny. Oswald has a crisis about what to do, but then resolves to join the Clefairy in their space excursion. Team Rocket also finds the ship, deciding to bring their boss Pikachu and some Clefairy. James, are you thinking what I'm thinking? I don't know. What were you thinking that I was thinking? What if we brought the boss back Pikachu, plus an entire spaceship full of Clefairy? That's amazing! You must have read my mind, Jess. Or did I read yours? Gee, that's a hard one. After looking around the ship, the group find Pikachu, but are blocked by some very happy Clefairy. Before Ash can argue for his friend's release, Jigglypuff walks up and smacks the leader, causing them both to start a slap fight. After defeating one of them, Jigglypuff proceeds to just slap the stuffing out of all of them before going deeper into the ship, Oswald following after. Ash tries to wake Pikachu up, but to no success. Oswald and Jigglypuff enter the control room, being met with a flower-wearing Clefairy captain. The two Pokémon immediately begin slap-fighting, seemingly even matches. Oswald, meanwhile, looks at the controls. This control panel is ingenious! I wonder what this joystick is supposed to do. Uh Uh-oh, I broke it. The fairy? The fairy? Don't worry, I'll try to fix it, (laughs) Grabbing the joystick, it's revealed that it was Jigglypuff's marker microphone, and that's why it was angry the whole time! It then begins singing, its song picked up on the intercom, putting everyone on board to sleep. While napping, the timer finishes counting down, a toy hammer booping Pikachu awake and startling him to shock as a reflex, powering the ship, which is pushed forward by a minecart. As Brock tries to persuade Jenny that his story about Clefairy is true, the street opens up like a ramp and the ship is pushed out onto the road. They had a lot of time and skill to make this, huh? Also, some of the stolen items are dropped, their owners happily reunited. The rocket thrusters ignite, speeding towards a building. But instead of slamming into it, the ship bends like rubber and uses the skyscraper as a ramp to point upwards, lifting them off. Team Rocket breaks down the door to escape, only to realize they were on the thruster portion that just detached from the ship, plummeting to the earth below. I mean, what was their plan anyway? Break the door and jump? They're falling the same distance either way. Pikachu Zap manages to overload and break his container, reuniting him with Ash. The two trainers then notice their bags, grabbing them and heading to an exit. The ship, with its control panel broken due to Oswald, slowly loses altitude. Misty and Ash find an escape door, but realize they'd never make the jump. Misty then points out a skyscraper, and Ash has Bulbasaur Vine Whip a satellite antenna, all of them swinging off the ship and landing safely on the roof, the UFO flying off into the distance. Elsewhere, a group of fishermen hear a crash and investigate the fallen spacecraft. Oswald exits, dressed in a cardboard box suit and pot helmet, asking if he's on the advanced planet of the Clefairy, scaring the fishers away while the Clefairy begin their thefts once again. Jenny and the other stolen item victims thank the trio for their help, and Ash and co. continue to Viridian, not noticing Jigglypuff continuing to follow them. This is another example of a goofy episode played before a slightly more serious one to lighten the mood. It certainly embraces the toony nature of early Pokémon more than some other episodes, but it's also not the most off-the-rails episode there is. I just think it's weird that Episode 6 was a Clefairies Are Aliens episode with a nerdy scientist character of the day, followed by Episode 7 being a Cerulean Gym episode. And Episode 61 was a Cerulean Gym episode, followed by this one being a Clefairies Are Aliens episode with a nerdy scientist character of the day. I even called Oswald Seymour several times while taking notes for this one. It's really just an odd coincidence if it wasn't intentional. Hello everyone, it's me from the intro again. Did you miss me? Because I missed you. So, don't really have much to say in closing other than thank you for listening. I really appreciate it and I hope you enjoyed today's fantastical episode. So if you did, tell your friends, tell your family, and even tell that random stranger on the street, go overcome your social anxiety and talk to them about it. And also make sure to hit the follow, subscribe, whatever they call it on the service you're listening to, just whatever you press to make sure you hear about new episodes. And for the occasional update or at the very least new episode announcement, make sure to follow at WannaVary on Twitter.com. That, that's the Twitter account, and I swore I typed in the full name, but it only gave me, like, those two words. And honestly, I kind of like it. So, once again, thank you for listening. It means a lot to me, and I hope you have a great morning, day, evening, night, outside of space-time, whatever it is you are doing right now. Just have a good one. Bye.